We're in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. A mark of Christian maturity is control of my evil tongue. Oh, is this going to be convicting for some of us? Uh, if you would, please stand for reading of the Word of God. My brethren, let many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Control my evil tongue. That is our subject today. Now our theme, genuine faith produces genuine works. Your turn. Genuine faith produces genuine works. Okay, that's James's whole point. His whole book is written that your true faith will be demonstrated by your life. James has been explaining the characteristics of a mature Christian. In chapter 1, we saw that mature Christians are patient in trials. In chapter 2, we saw that mature Christians have faith. Their faith is observable. And in chapter 3, we're going to see that a mature Christian has control over their tongue. Control over their tongue. We went through a couple verses in the past to try to help us with these. These were my verses, okay? Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. And then in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Last week, we saw that faith was observable, and we learned some truths last week. It, true faith is not lip service faith only. It's not just speaking, but it is doing in your life. It is doing in your life. In true faith, salvation involves a changed life. And in true faith, it gets involved. It helps the brethren. If someone is hungry, someone is, needs shelter, someone needs warmth, True faith actually gets involved. It doesn't just say, I'll pray for you. And has the ability to help, but doesn't help. Remember, it's helping the brethren. Helping the brethren. And in true faith does not exploit others. True faith does not take advantage of other people. True faith does not try to manipulate other people. Now, in talking about helping the brethren, we emphasize how important it is to do that. But I want to talk to you a little bit about bailing people out that have made bad life choices. This is not talking about that. This is not talking about laziness. This is not talking about frivolous spending, and now I need your help to bail me out. It's not talking about self-living, and it's not talking about somebody who says, I'm sick of this job. 
Now, I don't know how many of you can raise your hand and say, I am sick of this job. Well, people are sick of their job. Well, that's just how it is. You know what happens here on earth? Thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. That was promised to us in the garden in Genesis 3.18. We aren't talking about bailing people out of the consequences of their choices. Most of the time, people will make excuse after excuse after excuse why it's not working out. And usually it goes to the boss. Oh, my boss, he's so terrible, he's so awful. If you own your own company, you can't blame the boss, but people are blaming you. People are blaming you. My boss thinks it's not fair. It's always somebody else's fault. There's a big difference between helping someone who has a need that has, like the persecuted Christians here that were being dispersed throughout the world, they had a need. They needed clothing. They needed food. They needed shelter. They needed help. There's a big difference in that or enabling someone who has made bad life choices. So that's what I'm trying to get clear here. There's a couple of scriptures here I want you to think about. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's right. Oh, you know that. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, you are to work at it with all of your heart. All of your heart. Whatever you do, whatever you are engaged in. Christians are to be industrious, they are to be responsible, they are to be dependable. Christians are to be a fountain, not a drain. A fountain pouring in to their work environment or into their world and not a drain. They are not to be disorderly, they are not to, not to be a drain on the people around them, and Christians are to carry their load. We see this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. For each one shall bear their own load. Their own load. So, what else have we learned in James last time? Well, James and Paul are complementary. They're not contradictory. Remember, salvation is by grace through faith alone, through Christ alone. That is, that is Paul's hammering point all through Paul's letters. James is not contradicting that. James is complementing that in that he says, yes, I believe in grace by faith alone, but I also believe that if you're genuine, it will be observable. You'll be able to see someone else's life that has been changed. So James cannot stand a profession without practice. As a matter of fact, three times he says, faith without works is dead. In chapter 2, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26, faith without works is dead. Now James is only penning what the Holy Spirit has put into his heart. So this is the Holy Spirit that is giving this to James. Faith without works is dead. Now this week, the mark of a maturing Christian is control of my evil tongue. Control my tongue, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, please do your work in each one of our hearts. Help us with this subject. This is something that hits each one of us to some degree. So, Lord, speak to us today. Teach us what we don't know and what we do learn. Help us to apply. In Jesus' name, amen. Control my evil tongue. In Jewish tradition... The evil tongue is called Lashan Hara. It is to be avoided at all cost. It's something that everyone is guilty of to some extent, and you will see yourself at some point in this. Lashan means tongue. Ha is the, Ra is evil. When you're in Hebrew, you go from right to left. So it's the evil tongue, and it's any derogatory or damaging communication. It can be a demeaning remark about another person. And I think everyone is, can just raise their hand and say, I'm guilty of this to some level. I'm guilty of this to some level. Guilty as charged. The great Christian sin is not just gluttony, it is gossip. It is gossip. 
And I think we're guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And it can be damaging. Think how often do we receive juicy information that we just have to share. Oh, I just can't keep this in. Now, we have an overhead here that I'm calling the whisper. And it's, don't tell a soul. Don't tell a soul. Don't let anybody else know this. Even though I've been told not to share this, what do I do? Don't tell anybody I told you. Yes, it's the whisper. A rule of thumb, if you won't say it to a person's face, don't say it. Don't say it. In Psalm 34, verse 11 through 14, we read these words. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? Now, that's us. Who is the man that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? That's what we want as people. How do we do this? Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lashan from ra, from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. You cannot seek peace and pursue it with an evil tongue, with an evil tongue. Now, the question is, is the problem really that two pounds of flesh, I don't know how heavy yours is, but your tongue, that two pounds of flesh that's in your, between your teeth, in the back of your mouth. Is that really it? Is it literally our tongues? Well, Matthew 15, Jesus unmasks the culprit, and he says this. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? Oh, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. And he probably could have went on, but he stopped. These things defile a man. Now, the tongue is a slab of muscle. It is neither friend nor foe. Your tongue is neither friend nor foe. It is merely a messenger that is delivering the dictates of the heart. So every time that James uses the term tongue in our passage, they think your heart, think your soul, think your feelings, think your emotions, think your thoughts, okay? What's inside of you? That's what he's really talking about. So, control my evil tongue. That is our subject. The first warning, the first warning in all of this subject goes to teachers. So the first warning is to teachers about the evil tongue. Watch what he says. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. There's a warning here. Knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So, the warning here. Why warn teachers? Because teachers have influence. Teachers have influence. They can use their tongue for good, or they can use their tongue for evil. Now, think about this. In school systems today, kids are sent, and I call it indoctrination centers. They're learning less and less about math and social studies and geography and reading and writing and how to articulate an argument and that sort of thing. They're learning less about that and more about how to react to the world around you. They're being indoctrinated into a world system that is anti-God. That is our public school system. That is, a, 
That is a fact. That is a fact. That is what's going on. So they can influence people. Teachers impact other lives. If a teacher is not living out, a Christian teacher is not living out what he or she teaches, they shall receive a stricter judgment because it can lead people astray. Teachers must teach God's truth, not their truth, not their feelings, okay, not their opinions. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6 says this, Every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his word lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Do not add to his word. Let the word say what it says. Don't pander to the people, but allow the word to say what it says to the people. 1 Corinthians 4, 6, that you may learn in us not to go beyond what is written. That's Paul speaking. Don't go beyond what is written. Stick with what is written in Scripture. No one is, a per- no one is perfect. Teachers can stumble just like anyone else. That's verse 2. The encouragement is for teachers to master your tongue and speak the truth. Master your tongue and speech the truth. Now, false teachers with an evil tongue and evil heart can lead people astray. So a true teacher, a faithful teacher must, a teacher must work, strive, dig for the truth. And it will take time and it will take effort. It will take time and effort. It is a hard job to be a teacher that really digs into the Word. Here, Paul, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, be diligent. In the NIV, I think it says, study, work, to present your body approved. A worker, a toiler, a digger, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, cutting it straight, saying what it says, the word of truth. This is what God expects from his spirit-gifted teachers to rightly divide the word. So there's a warning to teachers. There's a list of warnings that I'm going to give you to teachers. Number one, a casual mishandling of the word of God. Don't do it. You know, it's hard to do this every week, week after week after week after week after week after week and year after year after year after year, and you're preparing and you're preparing. The temptation is just glide through. You cannot do that if you're a teacher of the Word of God. A casual mishandling of the Word. Laziness, no prep, winging it. Oh, let's just wing it. If if you're in a group that says, let's just wing it today, pack your bags, just go out the door, find another group. I'm going to wing it. Last second cram sessions. Uh Uh-uh, you don't want to do that. Using the Word to promote your own agenda. Using the Word to manipulate for self-gain. This is done all the time. Teachers will receive a stricter judgment. Careful, careful. A couple examples in Scripture. And I'm going to use shepherds as, as the example. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1 through 12, or 1 and 2, excuse me, we see this. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Notice the sheep are God's. He's possessive of them. My pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, against the shepherd who feeds my people, who guides my people, who teaches my people, who directs my people. You have scattered my flock. They're not your flock, my flock. Driven them away and not attended to them. You haven't fed them. 
Behold, I will attend to you. That's a stricter judgment. For the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Ezekiel says something very similar. Just another example, 34 verses 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds. Now when God says to you, Woe, you better get a... Perk your ears up and get ready, okay? You want to hear this. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. They're worried about themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now, where do we see this today? We see this on television all the time where, where you have teachers that are getting all kinds of money. They have mansions in various places of the world. They have planes and jets that they travel in. They have vacation spots that, that would rival billionaires, and they are feeding themselves more than they're feeding their people. That is very dangerous. Nobody in this thing is in it to get rich on earth. You hear that? No one is in this to get rich on earth. Your treasures are being stored up in heaven. It is not here. This is not our best life now, contrary to one of the great sellers of all time. You know, Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now. You can have a good life now, living in Christ. This is not our best life. It's coming. It is coming. We need to know that. Now, a word of encouragement to teachers, since this has been such a downer. Your calling is exceedingly important. This is not meant to discourage true teachers, but a warn of the role's seriousness. It is a serious role. Look, there's, with great responsibility comes great reward, both here and in heaven. I think God rewards you when you're using your gifts, and teaching is a spiritual gift, and you'll have great satisfaction if you're teaching the Word of God. You will, and you'll be rewarded here and there. Simply, you're required to give your best. That's all that God expects, your best. You do not have to compare yourself with someone else. As a matter of fact, you must not compare yourself with someone else because God, the Holy Spirit, gives the gifts in measure, His measure. So that stops all the competition. Your only responsibility, your greatest for His glory. I don't have to be as good as this one, this one, or this one. I just have to be the best I can for my king. And that's the scoop on that. Now, again, control my evil tongue. That's our, that's our topic. Verse 3 through 5, a little tongue has big effects. A little tongue has big effects. Watch this. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So, with that stated, big animal. You ever get next to a horse and see how big they are? They're huge. But that little bit directs them wherever you want them to go. And ships are huge. And you go into the stern and there's a little small rudder that directs that giant aircraft carrier. It's an amazing thing. The two-ounce tongue can control your life, just like these two examples. Chuck Missler says this, A runaway tongue is very dangerous. 
A runaway tongue is exceedingly dangerous. He said, a few words can affect the lives of an accused, his family, and his friends. They can place a nation at war, and they can redirect the life of a child. They can destroy marriages and friendships and can destroy churches. That little tongue, that little tongue. Now, a good use of the tongue, Peter used his tongue at Pentecost, where 3,000 souls came to salvation through faith in Christ. And another thing happened that was quite interesting in the history of Christianity. On April 21st, 1855, Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball went into a Boston shoe store and led a young man named Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And worldwide Christianity changed. D.L. Moody. Again, he's in the 1850s or so. He's in the 1850s. There's a plaque at this place, the Boston shoe store, that reads this. D.L. Moody, Christian evangelist, friend of man, founder of the Northfield Schools, was converted to God in a shoe store on this site, April 21st, 1855. Now, can you imagine the reward that that man had that led D.L. Moody to Christ? One act of obedience. One act of obedience. Most Americans today about D.L. Moody probably would fail even to identify Dwight Lyman Moody as a 19th century evangelist. Yet during his day, he was internationally renowned. Moody often spoke to audiences of 10,000 to 20,000 people. He presented the plan of salvation by voice or pen to at least 100 million people. This is no television. This is no radio. These are direct contacts with people through voice or pen. D.L. Moody might well be considered the 19th century Mr. Protestant. He has several, many, many quotes that he has, but this is just one of them. Just hear this. There will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. He believed the book of James, didn't he? He believed the book of James. He made another one that I thought was good. I won't. There's literally, there could be hundreds of these, but it, these are two. You'll be done with it here pretty soon. Make a full and complete surrender, just like it says in James, and God will whisper into your soul, oh, listen to this, the secrets of heaven. Isn't that precious? Make a full and complete surrender, and God will whisper into your soul the secrets of heaven. Edward Kimball's obedience, witnessing to an unknown shoe store clerk, impacted the world until this day. One act of obedience. Isn't that something? It's amazing what God can do. One act of obedience. D.L. Moody. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a good tongue. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Hear this. A soft answer turns away wrath. Not answering in kind. What do we do? Someone says something to us, and we ratchet it up one time to a little bit higher level. Oh, no, a soft answer turns away wrath. An evil tongue, Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 10, 19. Listen to this about the evil tongue. Have you ever seen the fast talker? The fast talker. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he that restrains his lips is wise. Through the Holy Spirit's power, you can use your tongue for good. And I will say this, it is not easy, but it is essential. Not easy, but it is essential. There's a warning. Do not start a forest fire with Lashon Hara. 
with the evil tongue and cause great destruction. A little spark, a great blaze, a great destruction, and lives are damaged through a little Lashan, Ara, the evil tongue. Verse 6 through 8, remember this. The next time you spread a little evil tongue, remember this. Satan's tool is the uncontrolled tongue. Satan's tool is the uncontrolled tongue, verse 6 through 8. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, I want you to remember something. We've been through this before, but whenever you use your evil tongue for destruction, it takes 10 positive statements, 10 affirming statements to neutralize one act of an evil tongue. And saying, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, it won't happen again, just kidding, doesn't even the scales. It takes 10 positives to neutralize this out. And if you're dealing with a habitual evil tongue, then these words are meaningless to people because trust is built over time. Trust is built over time. Saying I'm sorry over and over and over again takes time to rebuild that trust. Takes time. Now, we must see what the evil tongue is. In verse 6, it says this, it's a fire, a world of iniquity. And notice this, a deadly poison. A deadly poison. It can hurt. It can kill people. The evil tongue source is hell. Gehenna. Gehenna. You know what Gehenna is? A smoldering garbage dump. That's what Scripture calls your evil tongue. A smoldering garbage dump. And ultimately, its source is from Satan. Its source is from Satan. Your evil tongue is a reflection of your old nature's control. Evil tongue. Evil tongue. Now, man can tame a lot of things. He can tame the beast, the birds, the reptiles, the creatures of the sea, the world around him, but a man cannot tame his tongue. Only God can. Only God can. This is a God thing. The evil tongue is unruly. It is full of deadly poison. It is lethal. Now, words hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. That is not true. Words hurt people. Gossip hurts people. The evil tongue hurts people. It just does. The evil tongue kills spirits, kills hope, kills self-esteem. It can damage your children. It can damage a husband, a wife, a friend, anybody that is engaged in it. It can be very devastating. Whoever is lashing out with Lashan Haran, the evil tongue. They're killing those people that are around them with a deadly poison. See, it's not, the, the scripture doesn't, doesn't, doesn't dumb down what this actually is. It is a deadly poison killing people that you are unleashing on. Now, what does Lashan Haran look at? Well, we saw, we saw yelling and screaming, demeaning remarks. Uh, you never, you always, you, 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 those, that type of language. Sarcasm. Sarcasm is a form of it. Sarcasm is a form of anger. That's very damaging. 
Lashan Haran destroys. It is a deadly poison to the, to the person's soul. Now, think about this. As a Christian, as a Christian, you can expect Lashan Hara to be directed at you. You realize that. You're living in a world that does not really care for you, does not really care for you. Now, there's a, there's a slide here. Now, this is Joyce Bayer and Mike Pence. Now, she was saying that Mike Pence is crazy because God speaks to him. God speaks to him. She's using an evil tongue to impugn the man of God. This happens all the time. This is not unusual. This is to be expected. Mike Pence should expect this. We should expect this. This is the way the world deals with us. They think we're crazy. They think we're crazy. The unsaved world will never understand us. We are weird, weird to them. And the scripture calls us aliens and strangers. So indeed, we are weird. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Now, that is a great statement. We are children of God. That's how God looks at us. The world doesn't like us, but, oh, our God loves us. Our God loves us. goes on to say this, Therefore, the world does not know us because it doesn't know him. They don't know him, so they're treating us in a way that is demeaning because they do not know the master. Expect it. That is what we expect from the world around us. Don't get all heated. Don't get all bubbled over. Don't let your little Doberman pincher thing go up. Just relax, take a breath, move on. Satan's tool for destruction is an evil tongue. He will set you up either to lash out at those around you or to be lashed at. Either way, it's going to be damaging. So, verse 9 through 12. Can you identify this person that I will be describing here? The inconsistent tongue is not a controlled tongue. Now, does that ever hit everybody in this place? The inconsistent tongue is not a controlled tongue. I, this, is, this was awful preparing this. I have to tell you this. It was just hard. With it, we bless our God and Father. Great. And with it, we curse men. Not so great. Who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth. Proceeds, proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. Look at this is what happens. We go to church. We say our prayers. We listen to worship music. We got all this God stuff that we're doing. And then, in a moment of time, with the right trigger, the eruption comes. <laughs> the eruption comes. The evil tongue is unleashed, and we curse men. That word curse means this wishing them evil or ruin or something else. We want the ruin of someone or something else. We want something bad to happen to that person. Now, this happens all the time. And I will venture to say, I am not the only one with this issue. You know what I'm going to say. The evil tongue, if you drive from here to Detroit, you will be using a little Lasha Haran. <laughs> okay? It, it, with it, I got the, I got the tape on. I'm listening to Don's talk from the other week. We're driving over to Detroit, 
And guy does something in front of me, and I'm immediately I'm away from this, and I'm into what I shouldn't be doing. I have to recognize it. It happens so quickly. All men are made in the similitude, the likeness of God, the image of God, and cursing God's image by degrading remarks is wrong. We must remember that. Got to let it go. Let it go. You, we must not act out on those feelings. Out of the same mouth, in a split second, it's rather embarrassing, proceed blessings and cursing. Flesh, fresh water mixed with bitter water. A fig tree producing other than fig fruit. Can a spring yield both fresh water and salt water? And the answer is a resounding no. How fickled are our hearts? How fickled are our hearts? Is there any wonder why the world that you live in looks with skepticism at those who claim Christianity and cannot or will not control their evil tongue? I'm a Christian, and in my evil tongue on lashes, and my witness is destroyed. Listen to this. Spyro Zadiades wrote a book called The Behavior of Belief, and he gives an example of this at the, at the dinner table. He says this, A large family sat around the table for breakfast one morning. As the custom was, the father returned thanks, blessing God for the food. Immediately afterward, however, as was his habit, he began to grumble about the hard times, the poor quality of the food that he was forced to eat, that the way that it was cooked, and much more. He had an evil tongue. His little daughter interrupted him with this, Father, do you suppose God heard what you said a little while ago? Certainly, he replied, replied the father with a confident air of an instructor. And did he hear what you said about the bacon and the coffee? Of course, the father replied, not as confident as before. And then his little girl asked him this, Then, Father, which did God believe? Which did God believe? And the answer is both, because they both reveal the condition of the heart. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing my brethren. These things ought not to be. How convicting. In conclusion, marks of maturity are control my evil tongue. Now, you might ask, what hope do we have? What hope do I have with my evil tongue? I just can't control it. I've struggled with this over and over. And you can't. That's correct. You are right on that. You can't. God can. The question is this. How deep are your roots? How deep are your roots? The most important thing about a fig tree or a grapevine is its root system. You must be rooted in God and in his word to have a chance with this. To have a chance with this. Shallow roots will produce a down tree, and shallow roots will produce an evil tongue. It comes so easily if we are not grounded in God and his word. It just does. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, in the counsel of ungodly people, nor stands in the paths of sinners, or in places of sinfulness, nor sits, makes their home in the world of the scornful. But, oh, his delight is on the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man who watches the people that he hangs with, the places he goes, the, the places where he absolutely sits down and becomes part of that world, Blessed is the man that is very careful with that, and his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. That's who are blessed. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Deep roots produce a stable tree. Deep roots in God will help you to produce a stable tongue. It won't happen all the time, but you have a chance. You have a chance of more stability. A fact. No man can tame the tongue. How many men can tame the tongue? No man can tame the tongue. You cannot tame your tongue. Only God can. Lehman Strauss says this. While no man can tame the tongue, there is one who can, the Lord. He says, the Lord is no less able to control a lying blaspheming, slanderous, gossiping tongue, well, that's a lot, than he, is, than he is to deliver a drunkard from alcohol, which he can, the gambler from the game table, he can, the narcotics addicted from the drugs, the lustful person from adultery, he can deliver them from all of those things, including the tongue. It all depends on what you yield to. Matthew Henry says, no man can tame the tongue without supernatural grace and assistance. The Apostle James does not intend to represent it as a thing impossible, but as a thing that is extremely difficult. This is not easy to do in our fallen flesh that wants its dominion. We are to, it'll require watchfulness, it'll take great pains, and it'll take great prayer. Flesh desires to lash out. Flesh desires sarcasm and to be critical, to gossip. Only God can help you control your tongue. And he only does that by changing our hearts, changing the inside of us. So if you want to control your evil tongue, proper nourishment is essential. Feed on God's word. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to this. There's if no time in God's word. You will have no control. You must feed your spirit and starve your flesh. And then you will start to experience victory with your evil tongue. And expect relapses. You, you realize that. The evil tongue relapsing into that is easy to do. It's easy to have a critical spirit and lash out at somebody and go, oh, there I go again. Recognize that you're using it. It's a tool of Satan. And when you recognize it, take a hard stop. Boom, I am not doing this. I am not going down this road. The tongue defiles the whole body, sets on fire by Gehenna, the burning trash pit of our tongue. A scripture that might help you, our hope, is feed on the word of God. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue, the lashan of the learned. That's what you want. That's the tongue that you want. That I should know how to speak. That I should, that's what we want. A word to him who is weary. He awakens me. How do we do this? He awakens me morning by morning. It's not automatic. It isn't like you're laying on the pillow and osmosis is sucking into your head. No, this will take effort. This will take effort. He awakens me morning by morning, and he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Time in God's word is what we want and what we need. Listen to Jesus' word in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. You think Jesus wasn't an early riser? He started his day with Father. He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. 
If we are to have tongues of delight, pleasing to God, we need to meet with him every morning. Every morning. If you want to deal with the Joy Behar, she was just an example, your boss, people at work, people on your team, people in your sphere of influence, people in your place, you must spend time with God. It is not automatic. It is hard. It will take work to change. What is your most important stewardship? It is your heart. It is your soul. It is your thinking. Matthew 15, 18, by those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile a man. Proverbs 4, 23, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Now, this is the last words on this subject. So focus in for just a second. This is a tool to help you. Before you speak, take a breath. Take a breath. I want to get this out so bad. Take a breath. Take a breath. Hold it. Hold it for 10 seconds. You know, collect yourself and, th- and think. Think about what I'm about to say. Think about it. So take a breath and think about what I'm going to say. Is it honoring to God? Is it honoring to God? Is it obedient to his word? And is it kind to whom I am speaking about? Is it kind to whom I am speaking about? I'm telling you, we have to do this. Use this filter. Is it honoring? Is it obedient? Is it kind? H-O-K. H-O-K. That's what you got. H-O-K. Honoring, obedient, kind. Give your heart and your tongue to God and his blessings to others, and your evil tongue will diminish. It won't ever be perfect here. There will be relapses. It'll never be perfect, but you'll be able to identify it, and you'll be able to cut it short much quicker. And if you do that, God will be glorified. God, And that's the reason that we're here. We want to glorify God, not ourselves. May our prayer be, O Lord, control my evil tongue. Amen? Amen. Okay. Next week, wisdom. It'll be a little easier next week. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to spend in your word. And Holy Spirit, please speak to each one of us. We all deal with this at one degree or another. We are all guilty of Lashah Haran, the evil tongue. And Lord, help us to stop, do a hard stop. Is it honoring? Is it obedient? Is it kind? And if it is not, may we close our lips. May the lips of our mouth be tightly closed. Lord, we just ask that you would place whatever you want within us right now as far as conviction. And help us to realize there's nothing that is hopeless with you. If we spend time with you, if our roots do grow deeper, this will become less of a problem. And we will hurt many, many, many fewer people. Help us with this, Lord. We need your strength. No man can control the tongue, but you can. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.